I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Rising sea levels, extreme weather patterns, extinctions of species. Our planet needs protecting. I'm Adam Vaughan, the environment editor for The Times, and this is Planet Hope from The Times, in partnership with Rolex and its Perpetual Planet Initiative. In this podcast, we hear from leading experts from around the world who are committed to finding solutions. These explorers, scientists, entrepreneurs, and citizens are committed to a common goal, to protect our home, Earth. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts. With all eyes on MPs' second jobs and the government backpedalling on standards, you might have missed the other big government U-turn in Parliament this week. If we do not see sufficient progress from water companies, Ofwat and the government will be able to take enforcement action, and we will not hesitate to do this. But even with the U-turn, for many, the government isn't going far enough. What government are proposing is a water company will now be allowed to dump any amount of sewage into a river so long as they can argue they're making a progressive reduction. Whatever on earth that actually means, it is just a disgrace. Why have our rivers reached a crisis point? Why are they so much dirtier than the rest of Europe's? When the sewage hits, it really reeks. You can almost sense the chemicals and the pathogens in the air and the water. While sewage is being pumped into our rivers, the Prime Minister has been hosting global leaders at COP26 in Glasgow, determined to show off Britain's green credentials on the world stage. They were getting these cartoons of people swimming in sewage towards COP and people looking green on the banks while the Prime Minister walked past. You can't have your waterways dying and talk about, at the same time, how you want to re-green the planet. You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Manveen Rana. Today, the U-Bend U-Turn. Why are England's rivers so dirty? Hi, I'm Alice Thompson and I'm a columnist on The Times and an interviewer. For Alice... The problem of raw sewage being pumped into our rivers has become real and urgent. We live in the middle of Devon, but we have beaches all the way around. We go to the beach a lot because we had a lot of young children. And increasingly, when we've gone, there have been spillages. And last summer, for the first time, we'd got all four of the children together. And we went to Saunton Sands, which is about five miles long, is the most stunning beach. And it was like really nice weather, finally. We felt like it was nearly the end of COVID and we were all celebrating. This year, with COVID fears fading, they're happily welcoming visitors down to the coast. And careful planning means the beaches should be COVID safe. We decided to go for a swim and we ran into the sea and I suddenly realised it was really brown. It does put you off. And then there's an app that you can now get that shows you. And only this weekend, about 18 of the beaches 
had raw sewage being pumped into them just in Devon. Wow. And there were 14 the weekend before. So it's a real problem. I think people hadn't realised quite the extent of it. One person who does understand how desperate the situation has become is Hugo Tagholm, the chairman of Surfers Against Sewage. They're the organisation behind that app that warns people where sewage has just been released. He makes good use of it, surfing along the coast of Cornwall, where he lives with his family, and where he's had first-hand experience of just how bad things have got. A couple of the spots near me, I will surf with my son, I'll go to the beach, and we have been caught out by sewage pollution, particularly at the mouth of one river that flows into a popular surf spot near St Austell. When the sewage hits, it really reeks. There's sort of a chemically sickly, almost sweet smell to it. You can almost sense the chemicals and the pathogens in the air and the water around you. So the air, it sort of feels thick with the sort of mist of sewage almost. And when I get out of the water, I will rinse my you know, face and mouth and gargle and make sure I do everything I can to limit any potential ill health it could cause. It sounds horrible. Obviously, you scramble out of the water as fast as you can, but what happens to that sewage that's been dumped into the sea? You know, disperses to a degree. And dispersal is, is sort of one of the things that, that water companies and the industry has talked about for a long time. And right back to the 80s and 90s, when the water companies were first privatised, dumping sewage back then were considered dispersal and treatment because it was mixing with the seawater. And that's the same thing we've got now. 400,000 separate sewage pollution events last year, 3 million hours going into our rivers and coastline. England's rivers are in a dismal state. And one reason for that is that water companies are able to discharge raw sewage into our waterways if there's been a storm and if other places would flood if they didn't do it. This happened last year more than 400,000 times. Why has the dumping of sewage been allowed to escalate to such alarming levels? And how much worse are things here than in the rest of Europe? Most countries are much, much better than us. You go to Greece and you haven't got a problem. You go to France or Italy and the beaches and the sea is pretty clear. And that's not just because it's the Mediterranean. It's because they know they have to look after it. Partly because we were in the European Union, they have very strict rules. So we had to clean up a bit. But partly also because when the water companies were privatised, there was a responsibility put on them not just to modernise the system, which they were supposed to be doing, mm. but also to clean up their act a bit. And that did happen. More than 2,000 million gallons of water are used and disposed of every day. We're tunnelling hundreds of feet underground, so whoever we supply can be sure that every time they turn on the tap, every time they flush, there's water. The ten water and sewage businesses of England and Wales. And the Environment Agency was much stricter then. It had twice as much money as it has now. And it had far stricter rules about what you could and couldn't do. For its part, the Environment Agency insists it's doing its job and holding the water companies to account. But, as its director, John Leyland, admitted, the funding cuts they faced have clearly had an impact. We are a robust regulator, and where we find signs of illegal activity, we prosecute. I believe in the staff in the Environment Agency. I think they are doing the best with the resources that they can. But could we do more with more? Yes, we could. And, as Alice explains, 
some operators are still refusing to take responsibility for their actions. Increasingly, the sewage companies have managed to blame all sorts of issues on the fact that they should be allowed to put more raw sewage into the system. They often say it's because the system's antiquated, it's very Victorian. Gradually, they were dumping more and more until it got to the stage last year when they really were dumping hundreds of thousands of hours worth of raw sewage into the bathing water. Countrywide anger is swelling. In Seaford, there weren't many braving the water. How does it make you feel to know that they literally did a dump here in the last 24 hours? Yeah, that's disgusting. That's not good. Yeah, I don't feel great about that. I'll be having a bath when I get home. At the same time... That's astonishing. You had all these people who decided they really liked going wild swimming. Wild swimming. swimming. And then <laughs> all the rage. Yes. It's a bright and early Sunday morning. These swimming enthusiasts are shunning the lure of a more lazy start to the day and plunging into the bracing water... So was this just because people were wild swimming more and they realised it was happening? Or have things just got a lot worse in the last year or so? They've got worse partly because the Environment Agency hasn't had enough people or enough power to do anything. So they're now self-regulating the water companies. And partly because they are saying in the last three months that there are not enough truckers for the chemicals that they need to treat the sewage. Well, for the whole fleet, about 20 off the road at the moment, 20 trucks off the road, which is a huge cost for us. It's part of a wider supply chain crisis gripping the UK. So they were given dispensation by the government because they couldn't get the materials they needed to clean the water. But actually, in many ways, that was disingenuous because other countries in Europe got it. It's just we weren't prepared to pay enough. It wasn't just the problems of the global supply chain that led to the current crisis. Years of underinvestment by the water companies have clearly also contributed. Water UK, the body that represents the water companies, says it recognises the need for urgent action and its members strongly support the government's efforts to tackle overflows. It also says it's been working closely with environment groups to agree a plan of action. But that hasn't put a stop to accusations that it continues to put profit before public safety. They gave a lot back to their shareholders. There's been a huge pressure on water companies to give back to their shareholders. They haven't modernised the infrastructure system at all, really. So they used to. In the 90s, they started doing it and they've done less and less. And I think their excuse that it's a Victorian system doesn't really hold because we don't say, well, too bad we've got these roads they were built in the Victorian era. We build new roads. Everyone modernises. Every company has to modernise. And just to clarify, this, this Victorian system that's being blamed, whose responsibility is it to modernise it? Would it be the government's? Would it be through public money? Or would it be the water companies? The water companies were supposed to do it when it was privatised. So when the water system got worse and worse in the late 80s, the decision was made to privatise the water system so that more money could be put into it to update it. That was the main reason that it was sold to people as a good idea. Mm. But they always managed to convince everyone that they haven't got the money to modernise more. And is that true? I think when you've given out £59 billion to your shareholders, probably not true. And actually, that's almost the exact amount that the government says is the upper limit of what you would need to put into the system to update it. The upper limit. So they could have fixed the system and probably still had profit for their shareholders. Yes, so they could have fixed it. And yes, the Victorian system, particularly in London, is very antiquated. And there was a problem in London and the Victorians had this terrible stench. In the summer of 1858... 
An overwhelming stench began to radiate from the River Thames, made worse by the scorching heatwave. This is now known as the Great Stink. Eventually, the smell reached Parliament and MPs decided they had to take action. And actually, as a result, the MPs had very long summer holidays because they were right by the river, so they didn't like smelling this stench. And they got Joseph Bazalgette, who was the most extraordinary engineer, and they built this phenomenal system which could take twice as much sewage as was needed at the time because they knew London was going to grow. So it was very forward-thinking. The problem is it wasn't going to cope with millions more people. And they are now trying to update it in London. They have got a super sewer that's going to go underneath the Thames that will take a lot of the effluence away. But that's cost more to the taxpayer. And that is just the minimal amount that we are going to need. It's so interesting that back in 1858, politicians acted immediately because they were directly affected by the great stink. This time, it's taken a public outcry to force the government to act. Take us back to how that public backlash started. It was caused by a vote in Parliament a few weeks ago, which most people didn't even know was taking place. So if you're not an obsessive Westminster watcher, what would you have missed? What you missed was the Environment Bill that went through. It was meant to update the rules there was one amendment that was put in that was actually put in in the House of Lords by a duke who looked through the Environment Bill and didn't think the measures on the water companies were strong enough. The amendment was trying to to have slightly stricter rules to force the, the water companies to do more. Yes. And the MPs voted against it. I don't think many of the MPs actually looked at it very seriously and they didn't mm. think it was a huge issue and it was probably rushed through. But they were told that it was going to cost billions and billions, you know, up to sort of 400 billion, I think. And they thought that their constituents would complain about the cost. But actually, those costs were hugely inflated. No one knew where those figures came from. That's so surprising. The government's own figures weren't nearly that high. So I think the MPs voted and then couldn't believe the tsunami of complaints they got back from their constituents. There's wet wipes, there's sanitary towels, there's tampons. We've had swimmers reporting swimming along and having a sanitary towel stick to their face. The government had a chance to vote through an amendment to do something about this and they didn't. How did that make you feel? They've completely and utterly missed an amazing opportunity to act and to do something good for climate change, for nature, for the population. I think they had actually been trying to protect them from higher water prices. What they hadn't realised is what they wanted protection from was sewage. Almost every area of the country has been affected. It's interesting because Scotland didn't privatise their water. They have cleaner rivers. So we don't have a single river that is actually clean in England. Just to put that into context, the French have 540 places that you can bathe safely in rivers. So it is a huge difference with the continent. Yeah. And Scotland has over half their rivers are designated as clean bathing. To put the defence from the water companies, they would say it's because we're flushing far more through. So there's a huge problem with baby wipes and straws and plastic and that we're not looking after our water system properly. And perhaps they have got a point. But at the same time, they shouldn't really be allowed to get away with it either. It's the water company's responsibility to maintain these systems, to modernise them. Why did the MPs think it would be costing taxpayers? Were they not aware of the profit margin? I don't think they were probably as aware of how much profit the water companies had made. The water companies are very good at lobbying. 
And I think the MPs just worry at the moment that their constituents are having to cope with inflation. They've just gone through a pandemic and they just wouldn't want another surcharge. So I don't think they'd really thought this through very hard. Coming up, how that led the government to what's being called the U-Bend U-Turn. But first... This is Stig Abel and Asma Mir. We present The Breakfast Programme on Times Radio every Monday to Thursday from six o'clock. We talk to the leading politicians in the country. We go all around the world. We have a bit of a laugh. And we can only do that thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times. So subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. After the first vote on the Environment Bill came the furious public backlash. Campaigners and opposition MPs took to the microphones. Social media was full of people posting pictures of sewage infesting their local rivers. For the next few days, the hashtag TurdReich was trending on Twitter. The government knew something had to be done. Their first reaction was to say, this is going to be too expensive, this is why we're not doing it. But as people kept complaining, I think they panicked, the MPs, and I think that's why the government had to do something in the end about it. For a lot of people, this will, you know, it will be quite stark. Just as we've got COP26 going on, we've got the government sort of brandishing its green agenda. It does seem really odd that they've turned a blind eye to to something so fundamental. I think that was part of the problem for the government, which is why they panicked, is they Mm. were getting these cartoons of people swimming in sewage towards COP because, you know, you can't have your waterways dying Mm. and talk about at the same time how you want to re-green the planet. In response to the public outcry, the government ordered a retreat. The Commons has backed a government compromise proposal to force water companies to take tougher action on raw waste going into rivers and seas. So what was the much-talked-about U-Bend U-Turn? Well, the government 
rushed through a compromise, which does toughen up the provisions on sewage dumping. They put a legal duty directly on water companies to progressively reduce the amount of sewage they dump into rivers. The government argued that to go as far as the Lords wanted would cost between £350 to £600 billion, adding up to £1,000 a year on everyone's bill. Which, as Alice pointed out earlier, is a figure that many believe has been plucked out of the air. But according to the Environment Minister, Rebecca Powell, the new amended Environment Bill is robust enough to force the dumpers to clean up their act. Ofwat can issue enforcement notices which can direct specific actions or fine companies up to 10% of their annual turnover, running to millions of pounds. If we do not see sufficient progress from water companies, Ofwat and the government will be able to take enforcement action and we will not hesitate to do this. But that's a claim that's been roundly rejected by her Labour opposite number, Luke Pollard, who joined campaigners and activists in criticising the bill. Britain is again the dirty man of Europe. Not one English river, not one English river is in a healthy condition. There's no timetable on this, and that, I think, is a really glaring hole in what has been published today. Progressive discharges, oppressive reductions in discharges sounds all well and good, but I would like to progressively reduce the amount of cake I eat. But if I do that over a day or a year, there's a big difference between the two of it, and I am a big fan of cake, as some of you may know. The Liberal Democrats agreed, as their former leader, Tim Farron, pointed out. I represent the English Lake District. I am disgusted that there is raw sewage being dumped into Lake Windermere on 71 days consecutively in any given year. This will do nothing to stop that. Campaigners across the country are furious. The musician, Fergal Sharkey, led the charge. What government are proposing is a water company will now be allowed to dump any amount of sewage into a river so long as they can argue they're making a progressive reduction. Whatever on earth that actually means, it is just a disgrace. Hugo, from Surfers Against Sewage, who we've been hearing from, also took to the airwaves, telling the Today programme on Radio 4 that while this did represent some measure of progress, the new bill was weaker than the original Lord's Amendment, or the Duke Amendment, and there was no more time to waste. Now, we did feel that the Duke Amendment was a tougher piece of legislation to include that would make sure that water companies were taking all reasonable steps to ensure that untreated sewage was not discharged from storm overflows. That's been translated into water companies needing to secure progressive reductions in adverse impacts of discharges. So we believe that's weaker. But the government is confident that this is what will um, create the change we need. So this has now been written into the Environment Act. So that is, that is good. But now we need to see the action. So, without any solid guidelines to monitor the water company's progress, is there a risk that this issue could once again slip into the background and be forgotten by the government and politicians? It's now become such a huge issue and people now know that it's happening, that they will call it out when they go swimming and they will call it out when they take their children to the beach. By the time you get to next summer... If you want people to carry on holidaying in Britain, which we do, we want them to fly less, we want them to enjoy being in the British Isles more, we're going to have to do more to make them want to be here. For Hugo, the campaigning will continue. As a native North Londoner, he came to surfing later in life, but now he intends to fight for it. 
it means everything to me. It's a place where I can get away from all of the pressures. You don't have your phone, you don't have your computer. You're there in the water with your board, with uh, your wetsuit, trying to align yourself with nature's energy. You know, each wave that comes in has been generated by a storm offshore and your journeys collide at that beachfront. You have your experience. My son's 13 now. Surfing with him is really important to me. So it's great to see him riding waves, enjoying it and the sparkle that it puts in his eye. I'm, I'm particularly grateful for those things. But I surf at spots where I see dolphins, seals, basking sharks all sorts of seabirds i was out the other day there were tuna fish jumping out you know of the water 150 meters offshore it's amazing to see that and it reminds you of the incredible feat of natural engineering that our world is for people who sometimes feel like it's all quite depressing and change doesn't seem to happen certainly doesn't happen fast enough are there reasons to be hopeful can we still fix this I am an optimist and I'm always hopeful and I think it's really important that we don't lose hope because it will throw people absolutely in the wrong direction and I think there is hope. We're seeing unprecedented conversations from government and industry about reshaping the economy. We heard about the 100 nations coming together to protect our forests and stop deforestation. Let's not forget that protecting forests is actually also protecting the ocean. Trees absorb a lot of water. They stop water cascading down and taking runoff into our rivers and into our ocean. We heard that the ocean climate emergency is a priority with the Biden administration. We need to celebrate the progress it has made. There are good people trying to reach the right compromises on the right things but we've got to be realistic there's got to be a just transition and we need to keep asking for more and keep moving fast industry needs to innovate business needs to come up with better stronger faster plans to create true sustainability and circularity and government needs to create green jobs and a brighter bluer future for everyone and what about alice will she risk going back into the sea again next summer I will go back swimming next summer, but I avidly look at the map now on my app and it's almost like looking at the weather forecast. (laughs) You see these red crosses and you think, I can't go to that beach, I can't go to that beach. And I do think that's rather sad because I don't think it ever occurred to me before. I don't talk to my children that much about it because I don't want to put them off. You don't want to put everyone off going swimming because it's so fantastic being in the sea and you feel so great. And I do a lot of wild swimming. I like being in cold water. Yeah. So I don't want to put the whole country off. You don't want them to get ill. And you don't want to feel it's turds at dawn. You know, you don't want to feel that you're battling against this. You want to feel that you can swim and have a nice time. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to the subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Manveen Rana, and my guests, Times columnist Alice Thompson and chairman of Surfers Against Sewage, Hugo Tagholm. You can read more of Alice's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer today was Chris Wade. The executive producer is Kate Ford and sound design was by Falcon Kisseltuk. If you'd like to get in touch with us with any ideas for future episodes, any stories you'd like us to look into, or if you have any thoughts on what you've just heard, do drop us a line to stories of our times at thetimes.co.uk. Thanks for listening. See you tomorrow. Music.